Welcome to the Stronger Than Autoimmune podcast. As an autoimmune warrior myself, I understand living with a chronic illness isn't easy. You're not alone. This podcast is to give hope. I will interview individuals living with autoimmunity along with experts and businesses to provide knowledge and support. As a health coach, I understand there is no cure for autoimmune disease, but creating small changes can influence how we feel and be stronger than autoimmune. Today's episode features a rheumatoid arthritis sufferer of 30 years, Ruth Hollingsworth. She spoke about what triggered her diagnosis and where she is at today. Getting a chronic illness diagnosis is a start to a new life. Ruth opened up beautifully about therapy and the process of grief and acceptance. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Ruth. Thank you for joining me on the Stronger Than Autoimmune podcast. No problem. I wanted to acknowledge that you've been dealing with Arthur, like you put it, or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rheumatoid arthritis for 30 years. And tell us how it began, this journey. So I was um, a completely fit 15-year-old um, very active, um, did a lot of sports, um, and I was playing netball, which is like basketball, um, and I I caught the ball and it, it broke my little finger. Oh. And about two weeks after that, I began having swollen thumbs, um, and my knees would swell and then they'd be fine um I would struggle to walk um to the bus at the school bus in the mornings and then by the time I got to the bus I would be okay so it was very confusing um and then pretty quickly it just sort of went went everywhere so within a couple of months wow um, I was um I was, you know, I kept going back to the doctor, um, have some anti-inflammatories. Um, but then after a few months, I saw a rheumatologist. Um, so I was, yeah, diagnosed at, at 16. So, I mean, they can't say for certain, but it seemed that the accident with my little finger was what triggered my immune system to start attacking itself and develop the rheumatoid or to bring on the rheumatoid I'd never broken a bone or had any other trauma um in my body before that so yeah so that's that's really how it started yeah, yeah. it's amazing how your body will protect itself and it just went into overdrive with that yeah, yeah. went to heal the little finger and just went haywire and decided darn little to- finger yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I noticed an accent. I've, I forgot to ask you, where are you connecting from? So I'm in England. Um, I live near Bedford and Milton Keynes, which is about 40 minutes um, on a train from London. That's probably the... Okay. The, yeah. yeah. The, Thank you for giving us a landmark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bedford and Milton Keynes probably means nothing. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Not for us, <laughs> or not for me, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
netball and yes. and the little pinky. As far as the treatments and when you first went to the doctor for all these first appointments, mm-hmm. do you remember how your treatment was or how the doctors interacted with you? Yeah, I mean... As I say, when I first started getting the aches and pains, I went to my GP who gave anti-inflammatories. And I think they suspected there was a doctor there who had seen it in my age. I think um, they were slightly confused because of being 16. I was neither the, you know, very, very young child or mid-20s upwards for rheumatoid so I was a bit in the middle um but actually my first rheumatology appointment was 30 years ago today so I was diagnosed 30 years ago today which is quite strange oh wow yeah so um yeah um and it was a bit of a relief I think um to know what it was although arthritis to me was just something you know I hadn't heard of rheumatoid arthritis I just thought there was one type of arthritis that your granny got you know that's yeah that's just what I thought but um you know in those days the the drug regimes they were they wanted to put me on the least toxic drugs um and you know which is understandable for my age side effects um and so it was sort of take these anti-inflammatories and I don't even think I no I wasn't started on a second line or um I think the first um one I was on was sulfasalazine but that that wasn't straight away um and they pretty much said that they hoped it would because it come on so quickly, they hoped it would burn out quite quickly, which is something that I did cling on to this word of burning out was, okay, this is temporary. It didn't occur to me that it, that was it would last. No. Um, so the drug regime, when I was started, was started on the least toxic. And of course, it takes so long to work out whether they're going to work or not mm-hmm. and it didn't and so I went on to the next one and that didn't so by the time I got to four years in I was starting to have surgery because my joints it was just so severe that it, by the time I got to the drug at that time which was the, the most powerful which was methotrexate Mm-hmm. Um, the damage or a lot of damage had already been done I was starting to have my shoulders replaced at 21 oh, wow. it it um was very different to how it is now you know yeah. you're diagnosed and you whack you're straight on drugs to dampen it down and I think because of my age as well it, it was um a concern about children whether I was you know there was all of those so it's understandable but it has certainly now the the sort of triangle of drug therapies has 
has flipped and they'll hit you hard and fast now, which is brilliant, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's stopping that damage from getting to the point where it is not reversible. Right. Apart from. Yeah. They don't have to go through the, the amount of surgeries and suffering that you have to go. You went through. Yeah. 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 I mean, the steroids, I wasn't put on prednisolone or for a long, I would have infusions of steroids that would help, but orally I wasn't put on those for a long time. So, um, so yeah, that's a real big change now. And of course the introduction of biologics, which has been the game changer for me. Um, I'm sure millions of other other people so you know it's been a massive change so thank you for explaining all this and there's some questions I want to go back to about the drugs but now that you mentioned it's your anniversary on this very day this very moment (laughs) which is kind of creepy but I don't know how do you feel about it I mean um quite strange actually I think because it's a nice round number you know every year I know 9th of February I know where I was how I felt um with my parents and um but today yeah it does feel like wow it's a bit of a milestone and I remember years ago being in hospital I was probably 17 18 and I remember another lady on the ward and she had had it for 25 years. And I remember thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, you've had it for 25 years. And now here I am had, having had it for 30 years. Um, and, you know, for years I was, all the doctors were older than me. I was the youngest in all of the wards. And and now things are flipping and the doctors are younger than me. <laughs> um yeah that's that's yeah that's that's quite strange but yeah yeah, it's 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 funny to think about how little we knew then and of course she didn't have the internet so to to get information you know I can remember my parents going to the library and just grabbing anything that had the word arthritis in it you know I can remember my dad asked me to drink it was molasses and cider vinegar or something you know drink that once a day natural remedies (laughs) yeah we were just clutching at straws but at least there's a wealth of information now that people can get readily that's at your fingertips where um so a lot a lot has changed yeah and also community you know you formed a community with your instagram and and sharing your stories and coming out and letting people know so with the drugs back then where did you have one for the pain and one for the the inflammation or were there two types of drugs that they put you on or was it just one for? Quite a few different drugs. So you would have a mainline treatment, which was there to 
dampen the disease process down, um, which, you know, the majority, well, they were, they weren't specifically for rheumatoid. They were other drugs that are used for like anti-malaria or chemotherapy drugs that have, they'd found that worked for, for rheumatoid. Um, you know, there is, they are a bit more specific now with the biologics. So you'd have that sort of treatment um, and then steroids for the inflammation, anti-inflammatories and painkillers. Um, and I think because I started having surgery fairly soon and it was so debilitating that I was put on opiates, mm. used those fairly early on, um, and to some extent have, have been on those for over 20 years, which I'm, I'm now off, which is amazing. Um, Congratulations. But, yeah, I'm so pleased to, to finally see the back of them. But, um, of course all different drugs bring different side effects so then you're adding in mm -hmm, for sure nice extra issues that need other medications so you end up you know rattling around with all these with yeah. all the drugs yeah so the the it sounds like your parents were really trying to do anything they could oh yeah and if you don't mind me asking where where are they now you know how 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 are they're they? in the next room i've actually oh, come up wow. to my parents house so we're together today <laughs> oh nice um, yeah so yeah we're incredibly close i think we were we were close before i became ill um and i guess at the time i didn't appreciate as much as i do now how difficult it must have been for them to watch their 16 year old daughter suffer yeah and I know because I within a few months when I did go back to school I was using a wheelchair um I couldn't get in and out of the bath so I had a bath lift and to me it was just an aid to get me in and out of the bath but I can remember it really really upsetting my mum and I don't think I appreciated that at the time, but it was seeing seeing me having to use something to get in and out of a bath that, um, you know, she it was a, a lot of acceptance that, um, that, yeah, must have been really difficult. But we live, I live with my husband about four or five miles away. Um, so we're very close and you know without their help and love and support I certainly wouldn't have been able to to manage at all you know yeah. It's, yeah, it's amazing oh well I'm, it, it sounds like the support that everybody with a chronic illness definitely needs support and and you had two parents with you to take you to doctors to yes. help you. I mean, sometimes I'm glad that you mentioned that you had a lift because many people don't realize that 
normal activities such as just taking a bath is difficult. Yeah. And you were so yeah. young dealing with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it was, it was a little bit of a novelty maybe to me because it hadn't dawned on me that it was going to be permanent. It was like, okay, going back to school in the wheelchair. I mean, I could still walk when I was able to go back to school. Um, but I would get out and let my friends have a go in it. And it, it wasn't this big, um, you know, all oh, my life is over sort of thing. It, I don't think that really hit until maybe four or five years later that it was like this really, I guess once surgery, once the destruction of the joints had really happened and it's like, okay, this isn't, this isn't going to burn out. It's not going to go anywhere. Mm. Um, that, yeah, those sorts of things perhaps bothered me more than they did right at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel in the moment realizing, okay, I'm having this surgery. I'm getting worse. It's not going to burn out. What was going through your, your mind at the time? It's been such a slow process of acceptance, really slow to some level, obviously, you know, you're faced with all this the surgery, you have to accept it. But I think because the pain and the, the lack of mobility was so great that all of my focus and energy had to go on just being able to brush my hair, just being able to, you know, do these walks from the, the bed to the bathroom that emotionally it wouldn't be until I would recover from an operation or start to improve. And once the physical pain subsided slightly, then the mental and emotional pain would become, I then had more energy to focus on what I was losing out or what I'd lost. Um, you know, not being able to do the things that my friends were doing. Um, I was very lucky I met my husband young. So, um, you know, we've been together for 25 years. So I'm very lucky in, in that respect. Um, but still not having a career, um, not having children of my own, um, things that I just physic that I wanted to do, but physically, yeah, there just wasn't um, there wasn't any way that I could do those things when it was just surgery after surgery after surgery. You know, in, in between going through these cycles of surgery and recovery and emotional um, upset and depression, and you know, it all, I think. I think, honestly, it's only been very recently that I can hand on heart say I've truly accepted mm. and I'm okay. I'm, gonna, I'm at peace with 
how things are rather than oh yeah I accept it but deep down I mean obviously there are still times I think man I wish things were different I'd love to wear high heels I'd love to dance on tables in nightclub you know (laughs) and I wish that I could have done those things but it doesn't it doesn't upset me like it it used to and I've got an acceptance where I'm okay with and can go as far as even at times saying actually I'm quite glad that I'm different that Mm. I have a different story to um, you know other people that I think it's made me who I am because I was only 16 so it has made me into the person that I am because I see things in a different way that I perhaps would have done if I you know hadn't developed a a chronic illness and my whole life had changed and I think that goes for my family and friends as well you know just even being aware of oh no we can't go to that restaurant because there's steps and that I you know need the wheelchair and just being aware of those sorts of things to do with disability and that perhaps I wouldn't have been as aware of so yeah your your whole life your life as you know it would be completely different yeah yeah it, it seems like you love the life you have now yes yeah I do and luckily my husband um had an eight-year-old son when I met him um so he he now has three children so I I can be a grandma but without having gone through it's it's strange (laughs) um but definitely when we have the grandchildren over it's okay I, I, I couldn't have done this there's no way I could have done it um you know physically there were times you know that we really thought about it but um just knew that it wasn't it wasn't fair for anybody really yeah. but it's it's wonderful to have grandchildren my stepson um nieces and nephews that I'm close to um so there's always yeah there's always you know that love there so yeah it sounds like you have a a wonderful filled life with family yes yeah I'm very lucky very lucky yeah so it took some time to get that acceptance yeah I think I over the years I've I've spoken to many therapists and not really had somebody that I 100% gelled with Um, and then perhaps 18 months ago I found um, somebody and I've never met her in person it's all been on online it was in the middle of the pandemic Um, and we clicked and whether you know it was it was her but also I was mentally at the right time to 
to really go deep into some of the grief because that is the word for it I had to grieve for what could have been might have been um and should have been you know had this not have entered my life so um so I think yeah it was a process that I had to to go through that yeah it's taken a while but yeah it's it's good that, to feel that yeah that true. that netball you had to grieve what it stole from you yeah yeah and and I think because I was just about to do it then um I think for a long time I felt almost a little bit of shame in really feeling that um, sadness in that I, I wanted to counteract it with something more positive. So I can sort of straight away say, actually, I'm glad that I got it at 16 because I wouldn't, it would have been worse to have a baby like, and then it be triggered like other people, it can be for other people. Um, but I think a bit of that toxic positivity perhaps has kept things squished down a bit um, and being able to say, no, actually, it's not all been great and just sit with that rather than, but look mm. at this I've got and look, it's it's actually been able to to go there and not not feel bad. Yeah. Um, and it not being negative, it in the, it being a reality that needed to deal with. Yeah. Quite a journey for you, mm. uh, physically and mentally and emotionally. Yeah. 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 So with this process, I know that there's uh, a cycle of, of, like you said, of, of grief and every time you probably go through a surgery and, but now is the acceptance and what other, because it sounds like you've done a lot of therapy, but what other things have you done to help yourself uh, over 30 years with the pain, with the, um, the different modalities that you had to endure? Um, I think when, you know, the pain was really bad, um, a lot of distraction techniques, um, relaxation techniques, um, meditation, that, that sort of thing. Um, I think now I'm physically better than I I was. Um, moving has definitely been, you know, just walking 
has been um, a big thing for me mentally and physically. Um, spending time with family and, and friends and uh, giving, giving myself some time to just be able to relax and not um, feel guilty about relaxing or um, yeah. doing things that you enjoy to yeah to lift your spirits and to to distract yourself from the pain or yeah your what you're going through emotionally or yeah those, yeah this seems like yeah. a common theme like really enjoying not being guilty doing nothing you know or not being guilty resting yes yeah yeah I'm a good rester <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good watcher of tv and um yeah I, I'm an expert at watching the tv <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you said walking was uh, an accomplishment for you can mm. you describe what helped you get to the level where you're at now um starting really slow um I guess I needed to to build up some muscle strength and um because I've been in remission for 12 years and the inflammation has subsided um I got to a, a stable place pain wise and so it was then trying to work out how much you can do without pushing yourself and that's always been a theme throughout the last 30 years and you'd have a better day and go shopping and then be in bed for a week <laughs> yes um, you play her again <laughs> so I I had to start really small just walking in the garden um up and down the garden um, and just slowly increasing my steps. And I got a Fitbit, the Fitbit has changed my, cause I, it was always, I wonder how many steps I do. Mm. So I got a Fitbit and then having that incentive to, okay, I'd like to reach a bit more tomorrow. I'd like to reach a bit more um, and then being, surprised or amazed at what I have been able to accomplish to do yeah yeah well it sounds like you're a little competitive too yeah probably with <laughs> myself yeah. yeah 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 which yeah that's probably the netball player that's come out 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness yeah yeah and it, it but I think that competitiveness with, okay, where are you at today? Maybe I can get a little bit better, you know? And that it seems like that has helped push you through to where you're at today because you're in remission. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what remission means for the audience. So the disease activity um, with the swollen joints, red hot swollen joints, um 
and it's measured in your your blood tests as well so your blood would show how the level of inflammation and activity of the disease um and these biologic drugs um that work in a much more specific part of the immune system than wiping or trying to wipe out the whole lot as some of the older medications would um that has dampened the disease down to where in many respects my blood results would look very similar to somebody without rheumatoid or um so my level of inflammation is almost zero so they would call that remission um so the um the pain stiffness and all of that is from the damage that the disease did before so the aim is to if somebody is diagnosed today is to get them into remission as quickly as possible so that damage isn't able it's the the damage isn't able to to take place yeah um so the yeah the, the it's come on leaps and bounds the drug therapies in the last probably the last 20 years when different sorts of um drugs started coming out um or that they were you know they were offering here um which has been a game changer yeah so and thankfully i've I don't know how many I I tried, but thankfully found one that has knocked it on the head. So it used to be an infusion that I would go into the hospital and have every four weeks. But now I inject myself once a week. Um, And yeah, so. Well, congratulations. You found something that works for you. Yeah. That's always a game changer. Yeah. In which... um, biologic are you taking if you don't mind me asking tocilizumab yeah it sounds like you've you've you really enjoy the life you have now because you're able to do more and any core morbidities that went along with or have gone along with the rheumatoid arthritis like other um ailments or not really um i have um quite significant bowel problems um because of the the opiates um but not uh, things are more side effects of drugs um i haven't had any other really any other um autoimmune diseases that have popped up or or anything so that's wonderful yeah yes for sure Yeah, one's enough at the moment exactly (laughs) (laughs) we'll keep it that way (laughs) for sure i appreciate your time it it seems like you're such a courageous strong and dedicated to yourself and your health Mm. woman and i'm so glad you have your 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 family and you met your husband Mm. you did because it sounds like it really 
was almost serendipity to have him come into your life and you have the your children and your grandchildren yeah absolutely and having yeah. parents that are patient enough to to bring up uh, a child with a chronic illness because that mm. takes a lot of patience and and you know like you said it was it sounds like it was hard for them too yeah yeah definitely and it's funny you don't understand these things until you become a parent right yeah 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 you you can't you, you can't appreciate those things I guess because I was going through it and uh, at being at that age you're just not equipped to to see it I mean obviously I did see it from their point of view to a certain extent but not as you know you do more as you you get older mm -hmm. for sure and before we go want to just find out any advice for somebody that is just starting off getting the diagnosis with rheumatoid arthritis what what advice would you give them patience i guess you have to that's a really big one that you have to to be patient with yourself and with these drugs um, and with your body um to reach out for as much support as you can um you know there are charities i'm sure in america as well as in the uk or all over um that will support you right from diagnosis um and i think getting that information early and perhaps not having as many questions as I probably did, but didn't really have an avenue to, to get them answered apart from a doctor or, um, but having other people with the same or similar conditions um, and with social media, I know social media, you know, can get a bad rep, but for me in this, in this area, it's been, it's been really good. Um, it's been just having you know it can be very lonely pain is very lonely because you're the only person that can feel it and mm. so no matter that there aren't words that can describe you know how it feels but so just reaching out to somebody else that has been in a similar situation you know that there's a level of understanding you know, even if your journeys are very different, there's a level of understanding that helps you feel less alone, which yeah. I think is a big, a big help. Now that you're 30 years with RA, what are your hopes now with Instagram or with growing your story? What, what do you want to do? Um, I think it is that talking to other people, either newly diagnosed or that have had it. Um, and to be that support that perhaps wasn't around when I was, um, was needing it. I remember going to a support group, um, but 
everybody was probably 50 years my senior and yeah that made me feel even more alone whereas you know there are a lot of um people of all ages um that I think you know is good so I'm really I'm working with a few charities here um to help spread awareness and um to set up a, a support group for for newly diagnosed um people yeah. so yeah that that's sort of the, the path that I'm on mm-hmm. at the moment so yeah it, it yeah. sounds like a wonderful way to give back and it sounds like a full-time job too yeah well that's the thing I I haven't I haven't got much expertise in much but I do in in how this disease has affected me so I need to use my my skills in in a positive way so yeah and you're doing it yeah I think I am (laughs) yes you are (laughs) well thank you so much for your time thank you it's been lovely to talk to you yes yes Everyone's journey of acceptance happens at a different time. Ruth had her own. To follow her and her charities, please check out the links in the show notes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow or subscribe to the show. If you have time, leave a rating or review. Please share the episode with fellow autoimmune warriors so they too can have hope and be stronger than autoimmune. Until next time.